We're in the book of Hebrews, and particularly chapter 11. I understand you've been there for some weeks, and I'm fitting into that program. Thank you, Tim. In Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to just read a couple of verses which uh, I've been asked to address. Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. We better pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for all that you're doing here in Ipswich, in Hope Church. Thank you so much for your guidance, the provision of this location, the fellowship we enjoy, the story we can tell. Father, we thank you. And we ask you to speak to us now. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon us, Lord. Be our teacher. Help us each one to hear your voice, Father, that what we do here now is between you and us, Lord, that you, you come, you speak. We hear your voice, please, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Hebrews 11 is one of those classic chapters in the Bible, one that people love. People have written books about Hebrews 11. It's a a chapter of some of the great heroes of faith in the Bible. It kind of stands alone, and sometimes it can be seen for something of its majesty. Some of the great Bible heroes are mentioned, their exploits, things that they did. But it's important, I think, for us just to see it in its setting. Hebrews 11 is part of an epistle that was written. It's part of a, a book, and it's written with purpose. It's written with meaning. It's written essentially to... Jewish Christians, Christians who had formerly been Jewish people and now were followers of Christ, this radical new step as the Messiah had come and they put their trust in him and were following him. And some were hitting difficult times, times when they began to wonder if they could continue. And so you can read in the verse just before Hebrews chapter 11, don't throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance that... When you've done the will of God, you receive what was promised. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. And if you read through the whole of the epistle, you'll find there are frequent references to don't give up, don't abandon, don't go backwards. Why? Well, it was tough. In the Roman Empire, Judaism was an accepted religion. In other words, you could be a functioning Jew. You could attend the synagogue. You could be a Jewish guy worship your Jewish God, and no one would trouble you. Judaism was an accepted religion. Christianity, however, was new and unacceptable. And, and, and there were terrific uh, opportunities for persecution and difficulties and challenges. And so the temptation to go back into a safer place was very real, to go back to a religion, hey, it's accepted. And also, there were things about their previous faith that kind of, it's more tangible. It's kind of what well, we have priests that you can see. 
You know, there were offerings that you could bring. There used to be a temple that we would gather at. There were feast days. There were rhythms to our life. There were laws to keep, rules to keep. It was kind of more comprehensible. It was a faith that was easier to handle. Kind of just keep these rules, keep up, visit the place, be in Jerusalem at Passover. And it was kind of easier It was more comprehensible. It wasn't so mystical. It wasn't so unknown. It wasn't so by faith. It was possible just to go through the routine and be a Jew and to miss the way. And so there were many things that would pull you back if you weren't careful. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, oh, come on, that isn't the way. That isn't the way for you. And in fact, I want to remind you of some of the great heroes of your faith. And for you to understand that always our faith has been one that is focused on God, not just the routines, not just what we've done. It's not just a safe place to be. Look at the heroes of the past. And so he takes opportunity in chapter 11 to remind people of what had happened in their past so that they would be encouraged. In fact, he says, since we're surrounded, in the verse following Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, he says, since we are now surrounded by such a cloud, we want to say crowd, don't we? But a cloud, it says, of witnesses, let's run the race. I think sometimes when we think of that image, we, we have the image of the, if you like, the Commonwealth Games or the Olympic Games in our minds, and we think, oh, they're cheering us on, they're, they're witnessing us. No, but the word, the word witness in the Bible always speaks of what we are saying to others, what what we are witnessing, what we are saying. We're saying, I bear witness to this. So these people, these old heroes, are bearing witness to us. They're not watching us, oh, how are you getting on, so much as saying, I tell you, he's faithful. My experience, so one experience after another. Abraham, Noah, hey, he was faithful to me, he was faithful to me. They're a crowd of witnesses all saying, you can trust God. You can trust God. It may look difficult. You can trust him. We're surrounded with these witnesses testifying God is faithful. You can trust him. You can go on following him. And so that's the purpose of this chapter, is to remind us how faithful God has been through generation after generation after generation. That was the way in which God has worked. So we've seen some of them already, how Noah, by faith, by faith, built an ark. But before his building of the ark, there's no reference to rainfall in the Bible. Why would we build an ark? Because God said so. God told him, build an ark. And so by faith, by faith he obeyed. He got nothing else to go on, just the word of God. God told him to do it, so he did it. And then we find by faith, Abraham, who was a wealthy guy, He had servants, he had quite a big uh, ability, had a great home uh, in Ur of the Chaldees, and God said to him, now go to a place I'll show you. And it says he went out not knowing where he was going, by faith. He didn't, he didn't know where this was going to lead him. He didn't know what this was going to mean to him. I guess that's how New Frontier started. We didn't know where this was going to take us. I'm sometimes invited to speak at conferences. Would you please tell us how to start a movement? And I said, I said we just kept moving. <laughs> we planted a church, then we planted another church, then we planted another church, and then another church. You look over your shoulder and say, oh, there's a movement. We, we didn't try to start the movement. We just kept doing what God told us to do. 
Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't know what the outcome would be. He just walked with God by faith. He became the friend of God, we're told. What a name, the friend of God. He wasn't just being a religious man. He became the friend of God. He began to do just what God told him to do. He even offered up, we read, Isaac, his son. And God said, all the promise will come through your seed. Well, Isaac was his seed. And then get this strange word, take your son and kill him as a sacrifice. Weirdest thing. And it says, Abraham arose early in the morning. You think, wow, what a guy is this. He rose early and he took the son. But he said to those at the waiting, he said, we will return. How's he going to be? You're going to kill him. How's he? We will return. And it says, by faith. He received him by resurrection in a figure, it says. In other words, it was as good as death. He drew the, he drew the knife. He's about to kill him, trusting that God would raise him from the dead. There's, no, there's nothing in the Bible before this about a resurrection. Someone killed, coming to life again. But Abraham was so full of faith. If you tell me to kill him, I'll kill him. He took the knife, and the knife was there, and God said, no, no, stop. And there's a lamb found. The lamb replaces him. There's a lot of teaching there, isn't there? The lamb replacing him. And it says he received him from the dead in a figure, figuratively speaking. As far as he was concerned, he killed him. So by faith he did that, by faith. All these guys are characterized by this is what God said. This is what God told me to do. Therefore, I'm doing it. Moses, we're told, refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, refused all that wealth by faith. He numbered himself with the Israelites. By faith, there's the Red Sea blocking them, two million slaves following him, an Egyptian army following them with chariots, horses, spears, swords. Help! And God says, hold out your staff over the Red Sea. And he did, by faith, the Red Sea opened. The Red Sea opened because a man in touch with God did what God told him to do. Beloved, this is so important for us to understand what is the people of God? What are the church of God? We're a people who understand what God says and do what he tells us to do. And if we don't rediscover that more, we become, well, rule keepers, predictable, getting on with what we can. And we start looking like people limited by human skill. But if we rediscover what, what's being said in this chapter, we rediscover this God who wants to teach us to go. So Moses stands and puts his staff out, and the sea opens. And two million people go over on dry ground. Imagine if you see some of the ruts that are made by people's feet in mud. No, no, it's dry. And then when the Egyptians try to do it, it's the, the, the angels come. It's hilarious. The angels undoing the bolts of their chariots. And they can't make it. And God's with them. When they act, by, when they take steps of faith, God moves in. God steps in. It's like when you go as far as you can go and then start trusting God, you get another dimension. You get a great big cinema. Some people might have said, oh, Charlotte, it's impossible. It's out of reach. We can't do that. You only get to this kind of thing because some people have said, come on, we can do this. God said, God said, beloved, that's what the church is all about. 
And that's why God is looking for fresh expressions of church life because sometimes we've just got used to, well, we just do it, we've always done it this way. And some people start to rediscover God said, come on, let's believe him. Let's believe him. And so we find Moses crossed the Red Sea. I love this phrase you'll come across later in the chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. It's crazy. What a statement. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. It says they walked around seven days without saying anything. Silence. I can imagine the soldiers on the walls of Jericho looking, here they go again, here they go again. These stupid Israelites, you know, here they go again. Seven days, silent. On the seventh day, a shout, and the walls of Jericho fell down. See, faith, beloved, is amazing. Faith can open doors we never thought possible. Faith can do things we would have thought completely out of our reach. The walls of, you see, the first, the first spies, when they came to the land, you remember the story, the, the 12 spies go in, and they come out and they say, we can't do that. The cities are walled up to heaven. The, the guys are giants. And they come back and say, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's impossible. And God says this, how long will these people despise me? I'm sure they would say, oh, no, we're not despising you. It's the giants. It's the cities. I mean, it's terrible. It's all so impossible. And God takes unbelief personally. Why are they despising me? See, God said, go and take it. They said, it's too difficult. And then God says this, as surely as I live. And somebody said, whatever comes next is going to happen. When God says, as surely as I live, listen, listen. He doesn't say you will go into the land. He says, as surely as I live all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. See, going into the land was just the next step. It wasn't that the land itself was all that important. It was the next step in this great story. These people going into the land was the next step because Jerusalem had to be taken. Zion had to be built, the temple. All that was going to speak of when Jesus comes. It was all preparatory to Jesus. The land isn't special. It's not... It's not kind of particularly holy. People talk about the holy land. Well, Mount Sinai was holy when God was on it. Mount Sinai, not in the holy land, in the desert. God's glory appeared on the mountain. They, wow, God is here. Don't touch the mountain. It's the holy mountain. If even that animal touches it, it should be stoned. It's the holy mountain. But now, Sinai is not holy anymore. You can kick a football on it if you like. God's moved on. Now, so the holy land, the holy land is not terribly important now. Now Barnabas, the apostle, Barnabas, he had land in the land. He says he sold it, gave it away and went on world mission. It's not very holy now. I've been there, it's not very special. It's not, it really isn't. It's the next step. It's the next step. Barnabas, the apostle, who knew the will of God, sold his land and went on world mission. Because God said, as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with my glory. And it's going to be done by men and women of faith. Because faith is such a key. See, what was God's ultimate promise to Abraham? It was this. Remember, human race had rejected God. Adam did not believe God. If you eat of that, you will surely die. 
And he, he just didn't, be, didn't believe God. He, he despised what God's word had said. And in that moment, the human race died. The Bible says so. It was now outside of the presence of God. The human race was like the walking dead. We're outside. You're outside of his presence. Chapter 5 of, of uh, Genesis says that, and he died, and he died, and he died. Death crept in. We're just walking dead. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins. And then one day, God came across an ordinary pagan called Abraham, or Abram. He wasn't even searching for God. God came to him and made him an amazing promise. He said, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's amazing. My plan of salvation now is located in this man. Abraham is the father of all who believe. I'm going to make you covenant promises through your seed. All the families of the earth will ultimately be blessed. That will happen. That's what God promised Abraham. He said, can you start count the stars? How many can you see? He said, so many will your children be. And Abraham believes God. Suddenly faith is rediscovered on the planet. By faith, he's justified. The Bible says he believed God and God counted it as righteousness. He's justified. as a justified man on the planet. A man right with God. A man who believes God again. Adam had given birth to those who were just born of the flesh. Born of the flesh. Born of the flesh. Suddenly a man believes God. And God invested all these promises in this man and his family. His seed. Now we know the word seed has got singular and plural. So sometimes it's seed as in descendants. Sometimes it's seed, as it says in Galatians, of one man, Jesus. As Paul explains in Galatians, Jesus is the seed, the ultimate seed, the one who will bless all the nations. But he's going to come through this family. God's committed himself that way. God was not speaking to Australia, Russia, Mexico. He's speaking to this man and this nation. This people carry the promises that's the way God's planned to do it. It may not be the way we would have planned to do it. It's the way God planned to do it. I commit myself to this people. He says to them, only you have I known. He drew them to himself. He gave them his law. He said, you're my special treasure, my people. I'm calling you. When he brought them out of Egypt, he said, out of Egypt I call my son. It's like when he made Adam. Adam was made perfect and pure. He called the son of God. He was meant to fill the earth with the image of God everywhere. That's what Adam was told, but he messed up miserably. God had to start again. So when Israel gets called out of, the, out of Egypt, out of Egypt I call my son, here we start again. We're starting again with a people. He brings them to the mountain. He makes them his special, peculiar treasure. Now let's go again. And so they're carrying promises. That's the whole point of Hebrews and chapter 11. The promise is all the ends of the earth will be blessed. All the other promises are carried in that promise. So we come to the passage that I'm looking at, verse 20. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph. Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel. Now it's important just to notice this. If you're looking through the story of Hebrews 11... You think, oh, this is, a, this is a book of their histories. Actually, it's not so much. It's a chapter about faith. 
Because if you're working through uh, and you come to, say, Jacob, you think, wow, there's going to be loads to talk about Jacob. I mean, he was amazing. The story of Jacob. I mean, Jacob, he gave his name, his name, his name was changed to Israel. He wrestled with God. He wrestled with an angel. And this is sometimes called a man. He's sometimes called God. It's like he, he wrestled somehow with God. What a story to tell. Should be. No, it's not in there. Wait, wait, what about this? And he, his name has changed. And so the whole, the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, what a story to tell. Not even mentioned. Not even mentioned. What about Joseph? Well, Joseph, what a story he has to tell. It's one of my favorite stories, the story of Joseph. A visionary. He was a real charismatic. He saw visions and dreamed dreams. He was a bit obnoxious too as a young man. Maybe that's been some of our problem. He needed some discipline. His brothers didn't like his visions. His brothers threw him out. He went through a season of testing. Would he keep true? Would he stay true to his vision? He went through a season of temptation. Potiphar's wife, lie with me. Came through it pure, pure. He's thrown into prison. He went through it so brilliantly. When he's in prison, you think, boy, this guy's given such promises. Your brothers will bow down to you. You're going to be a kind of king. I'm investing all kinds of power in your life. And what's happened? He's done a hole in the ground. Then he's a slave in a house, gets lied about. Now he's in prison. Every step's taken him further away from this promise. You think, wow. Forget it, my Joseph. Forget it. And then Joseph's in prison and some guys, remember, two guys are thrown into prison with him. And they say, we've had a dream. I think if I were Joseph, I'd say, forget dreams, man. I used to have dreams. That's why I'm in prison. But Joseph says, tell me your dream. Tell, I think, oh, well done, Joseph. You still believe in dreams. Do you still believe your dream? Still believing what God said to you? Maybe you've got verses in your Bible underlined. I know people do that. It's like my verse. I know some people even put a date next to it. It's like God said that to me. I know God said that to me. Many of us have got promises. That's how you relate to God. That is how you relate to God. You don't just keep the rules. You learn from him and believe the promises. That's how you grow as a Christian. That's what this chapter is all about. You grow as a Christian by him speaking to you and you inheriting the promise. It says, don't get sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. That's what we're meant to be doing, beloved. That's what I've been trying to do for decades, to inherit the promises. God made promises. I'm going to see these things happen. It gives dynamic and purpose to our Christian life. Otherwise, we're just rule-keeping, turning up at meetings, but God wants to be your friend like he did with Abraham. Made him promises. Wants you to treasure these promises. You think, no, God, you told me. And when these guys said to Joseph, we've had a dream, I think I'd say, forget dreams. Tell me your dream. What a guy. Tell me your dream. You still believe in God. Let me ask you, are you still believing God? What promises do you live with? What do you think God promised you? That's how we relate to God. He speaks. We accept. We believe. We hold it. But it doesn't say anything about any of all this. His tenacity, his amazing forgiveness of his brothers. I mean, what a story you can tell about Joseph. All it says was, when he died, he spoke about his bones. 
Thank you, Joseph. That's all. That's the only thing he says. He made mention of the Exodus. See, actually, all of these people referred to are forward-looking. They've got stories to tell, but they're forward-looking. And so although Joseph, I mean, Joseph could have said, because he was a hero, wasn't he? Pharaoh thought, wow, this guy, he not only understands what's happening, he better be prime minister. And he was promoted. He was made prime minister of Egypt. He ran the place. I mean, he was second only to Pharaoh. He saved Egypt as well as saving Israel. Amazing guy. And he could have said, and I'll have my pyramid over there, please. And they'd have said, anywhere, wherever you'd like your pyramid, we'll put it. I mean, you are one of our greatest heroes. You saved Egypt. And he said, no, no, forget the pyramid. We're out of here soon. See, he's got, he's got this bigger vision. God said to Abraham, they will be 400 years in slavery. Then they'll be free. Joseph believed the promise. He's more interested in the promise than he is a pyramid. He's not looking for a pyramid. He's not looking for a statue. He's looking for the promise to be fulfilled. God said to Abraham, after 400 years, they'll be free from slavery. And we know the story of Moses, which you'll come to later, going through Hebrews 11. But Joseph, when he was dying, gave instruction about his bones. It's like, I may not be in on it, but I want my bones on it. At least now my bones are going. When the exodus comes, when you move on to God's next steps, the purposes he has for you, at least my bones are going to be in it. I love that, don't you? I love that. I've seen, over the years, I've seen guys who were uneasy about the move of the Spirit, insecure about it. I remember my dear old Baptist pastor, a beautiful, godly, wonderful man. He ran a typical Baptist church where, yeah, we didn't speak to one another, we sat in silence, we took our hymn book, a friend of mine said, and then you got religious throat. As they gave you the hymn book, you said, thank you very much, and you sat down, and you didn't speak to anybody. I mean, some of you don't even know that experience. It's like it's past history, but I remember that. Well, you know, no one spoke to anyone in church. That was true. That was, and then, and then I remember I got filled with the Spirit, and then I was invited to give my testimony. My pastor said at a youth camp, something's happened to you, Terry. What's happened to you? And I thought, oh boy, here I go. This is, this is going to be trouble. And I, and I gave my testimony, and I thought, wait for it. I'm going to be in trouble. There was absolute silence as I spoke. I've been to the Pentecostals, they laid hands on me, and now I speak in tongues. I thought, oh, what's going to happen now? And the dear pastor, who's probably in his early 60s, had a church of 700, in those days a very big church. And he said, when I finished, he said, you must lay hands on all these young people. I thought, wow, what a wonderful thing. It's like, I, what, I, I might be too old to get, but I want to be in it. I remember him coming to the Downs Bible Week when he was in his 80s. I just want to, it's like, so God's moving on. God, there's something fresh is happening. He saw his young people come alive. He saw us go out on the streets witnessing. He, he told other Baptist pastors, it got back to me, my young people have come alive. And he did not resist it. See, Joseph's saying, well, at least I want my bones in on it. And I felt like my dear pastor was like that. He said, all right, I, I can't be in on it. I've, I've passed my day, really. But I want my, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, this is God. It's wonderful, beloved, when... Joseph's whole life had been come down to Egypt to be saved. He saved, saved his nation. 
but come down to Egypt. But he didn't say, I'll have my pyramid there. He said, you're going back out again. You're on a journey. You're on a journey. By faith. By faith, he gave instruction about his bones. By faith. And so, beloved, for us, what's our application to all this as we draw to a close? Well, it really is to pass on faith to the next generation. You see, these guys, each of them, you don't get the story of their life. You get their words of faith to the next generation. They, they prophesied over their children. They said, this is what's going to happen. Now, they were actually, it's just they blessed them. In effect, if you look at the passages, they kind of prophesied over them. Now, it may not be everybody's gift to prophesy over their children. It may be. It may be. But I believe that we can bless them by speaking to them faith about the future. That's what, this is what they had to do, to pass on faith so that our obedience is rooted in faith, not rule-keeping. See, it's very possible to just pass on rule-keeping. But Paul says in Galatians 3 and 21, he said, if the, law, if, if the law could make us righteous, then righteousness would have come by the law. If the, li if the law could impart life, then righteousness would come by the law. If the law could impart life. See, if rules impart life, and rules don't impart life, they just tell you, that's in, that's out. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. These are the laws, but the law doesn't impart any life. If it did, let's go into all the schools and say to them, don't steal. God says so. Don't tell lies. Just go and tell them the law. But the law, we're told, doesn't impart any life. It doesn't change anybody. He's impotent. The law just tells me what's right and what's wrong. It can't change me. That's why we need a saviour. He changes me from the inside. He says, my love I give to you. My joy I give you. My peace I give you. He's a life-imparting husband. He gives me life. The law doesn't impart any life. And so we need to be careful, beloved, when we're looking to the next generation, we're not just saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. We're saying, hey, we're going to live forever. We're saying Jesus is alive. We're imparting faith. That's what this generation did. They planted the seeds of faith in their children. You'll come on to Moses next. And just, just to make reference to it as a kind of introduction, it says Moses... His parents were believers. He says so. They weren't just religious, they were believers. They get there in Hebrews 11. They're believers. To be born into a believing home is a great privilege. Sometimes we want to say, no, I had a terrible background and I got saved. You know, the last thing we want to say is, I was raised in a Christian home. But the reality is, these were believers. And they must have sown faith in Moses' heart. Remember what happened to Moses? He was saved as a child, given back to his parents to raise. And they had him for a while. And then they had to give him up. And he went away to Egypt University, where he was taught a very different story. And Egypt, full of incredibly impressive stuff. People still study Egyptology. It's so impressive. Incredible. The, the architecture, uh, meds, medical breakthroughs. Egypt was phenomenal. Israel, well, what are they? A pack of slaves. And somehow, Moses' parents must have said, 
We're carrying the light of the world. We have the seed of God. We are the answer to the world. We carry the promise of Abraham. We are the carriers of the promise of the world's need. It's going to be, it's in us, through us, ultimately through the Christ who will come from us, the Messiah promised by the, by the prophets. He will come through us. And they, they told Moses all this thing. And then Moses goes away to Egypt University and then he's got to make a decision. And it says, by faith, Moses refused. And by faith, he chose rather to be associated with the despised people. He chose that, listen, by faith. By faith. Not by my parents said I had to. Now he's mature. He's come of age. His parents are not breathing down his neck. The Ten Commandments haven't come yet. Moses was a man of faith. By faith. Why? Because his parents must have passed on this vision. Like these guys, they blessed their children. They blessed them. They said, we are a people of faith. We are a people of faith. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1. I'm an apostle. I want to bring about the obedience that comes from faith among the Gentiles. The obedience that comes from faith. You see, you could say, let's go among all the nations and say, obey God. You should obey God. He created the heavens. He created the earth. Obey him. Obey him. He could have gone out doing that. But he said, no, I want to bring about the obedience that comes from faith. Moses chose by faith. He looked at the Israelite slaves and thought, it's better to be with them. He didn't have to do it. He wasn't required to do it. He genuinely believed it's better to be there. See, that's how we have to make our decisions, beloved. Not because well, that's what Christians are meant to do. And that's a hard thing for our children to learn. As this story is about passing on to your children. They bless the next generation. You see, the culture wants to disciple your children. Egypt University wants to disciple your children. They want to tell you what to believe. They want to tell them... That and the danger can be we as Christians say, no, you're not allowed to do that. You shouldn't do that. If you're not careful, we just say, no, those are things not to do. And it's just to them, well, Christianity is a bit miserable. Not allowed to do it. I know when I was coming into becoming a full Christian, I'd been born again. I was struggling with it because I was very worldly before. And I was being invited to parties. Still, come to the parties. And I, I'm struggling my way out of this. I'm trying to be a proper Christian now. And they say, there's a party this weekend. Are you coming, Terry? I say, no, no, I'm not coming. Why not? Mm, I'm a Christian now. We're not supposed to go to parties. Not those kind of parties, anyway. And then I go on Monday. And I, they come back on Monday to work. We used to have these parties on weekends at work. And I go on Monday. What was the party like? I said, oh, it was amazing. You would have loved it. I think, hmm, Christians aren't allowed to. And then I say to them, would you like to be a Christian? Then you wouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> what a great message, eh? Let's go and tell the world you're not allowed to. Now, I came to a place, I remember once later, my dad said, I felt God spoke to me and said, you go back, go to, I was invited to one of the parts, I thought, go. I was secure by then. I was secure. I took my bottles of tomato juice with me believe it or not. I did. And I was happy. I was secure by then. I was happy. And I remember, I remember one of my old friends, his wife, came to speak to me. She said, 
She, she had her own business. Her husband had a very good job. They were ever so wealthy. They'd done very well. I'd not done a scene for a little while. And she came up to me and she said, have you found peace? Because they knew what I'd done by now. I said, oh, yes, I have. And the tears came down her face. She said, it must be wonderful. I said, it is. It is. It's not, we're not allowed to. By faith, made, we know it's right. We've found the answer to life. We've found the answer to eternity. We are going to inherit eternity. New heavens, new earth. It's a wonderful deal. And we make choices by faith. We obey because it's right. Some of you probably gave huge sums of money to this building. There came a moment when you felt God said, do it, trust me. Okay, Lord, okay, this seems crazy. In it goes. And you found God faithful. It wasn't because you felt, oh, I've got to. No, you just knew God was inviting you, inviting you to another step of faith. And the, belief, the church is the people who believe God. See, there's a vast numbers out there don't know there is a God. Maybe some here this morning. You don't know there's a God. I want to tell you, we've found God and you're trustworthy. You can trust him. You can trust him with finance. You can trust him with all kinds of stuff. Because he's true, he's faithful. And all these witnesses from Hebrews 11 are witnessing to us. He's faithful. He's faithful. You can trust him. Let's build our lives on faith. Let's put our confidence in him. Father, we thank you for this awesome book. We thank you for its power. We thank you for the testimonies, one after another. I found him faithful. He's true. I risked everything for him. He was faithful. Father, I ask you, I want to pray right now. I pray for some who are in danger of throwing away their faith. I pray for any who've come here this morning saying, I'll give it one more Sunday. I'll give it one more Sunday. I pray for some who've been beaten up by COVID, found it all so hard. I pray for people who've just found the journey tough lately. Wonder if they can keep it up. Lord Jesus, come and refresh us, I pray. Come and renew us in your love. I pray for some who know they've got promises. They know special things you've said to them. And they're in danger of abandoning those promises. Would you restore them, Lord? Would you refresh them? Would you come and renew them? As we sing, if you know, if you know God's spoken to me, I, I want to be a woman of faith. I want to be a man of faith. I don't want to just keep my nose clean and turn up. I want, to, I want to walk in faith. I want to communicate faith. I'm in danger of letting go. If you, if you feel God's spoken to you, please don't leave it. We won't need to spend a lot of time, but it might be great to just have someone pray over you. A great man called Jonathan Edwards said, preaching is for now. It's not for notebooks and for later. It's for now. So when God speaks, let's respond.